0: Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Podcast Manager Show. I am Lauren, your host, and in this episode, I am talking to Heather Osgood, who is the founder of True Native Media. True Native Media is a boutique podcast representation agency specializing in podcast advertising. So Heather and I talk about podcast advertising, and if you don't know much about advertising, which I assume that you don't, unless you have an an advertising background... Heather is going to break down a lot of the common terms and types of advertising that can happen on a podcast. I learned so much from this episode, and I think that you will too. And it especially got my wheels turning on how and what role a podcast manager would play in this podcast advertising space. Heather is also a course creator and has her own podcast, The Podcast Advertising Playbook. So don't forget to check those out after the episode. All right, let's go chat with Heather. Hey there, I'm Lauren and you're listening to The Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream client while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Heather, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes, this is topic of monetizing, specifically through advertising, is such a big question that podcast managers have on how they can help their clients. And so since you are a pro, um, I'm really excited to dive into that today with you.
1: Awesome. Podcast advertising is literally one of my favorite topics. I could talk about it for hours. So I'm really excited to be able to share some little nuggets of information with your audience.
0: Yeah, that's great. Now, you started in radio advertising. I would love to know how you moved from radio advertising to working with podcasters. Sure. So I
1: wish I could say that it was a direct route, but really it <laughs> wasn't. So um, I started my career in radio ad sales. So I did that for several years. Then I moved to newspaper ad sales, which was very different from radio Next, I started my own trade show production company, which really was just its own form of advertising because it was an in-person event. So we had businesses buy booths from us. And I had that company for about 10 years. And then when I sold that company, I started listening to podcasts. And the more I listened to podcasts, the more I was like, gosh, there's all these great shows, but where are the ads? So... You know, and I mean, I wouldn't listen to kind of the mainstream type podcasts. I would listen to maybe the business type shows or maybe some of the parenting shows. So they really were kind of the smaller shows. And it just shocked me that there weren't ads. And so I was like, I know that the average person doesn't have the skill set to sell ads on a podcast Mm -hmm. um, or to sell ads, period. But I knew that I did because that had been my whole career. And so I started, you know, started by really just reaching out to podcasters and saying, "Hey, you've got this great show, and I would love to sell ads on it. Would you be open to that?" And that's really how I made the transition.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I'm guessing that podcasters were like, "Yes, I would love to make money because this is a time consuming hobby." <laughs> you know, yes, they, you know, we we can all be very open about that, which is great. But did they have? hesitation still on you selling ads for them? Or were there like some misconceptions that were coming in the way? Or was it kind of like, Nope, I'm yes, this is the answer. You know, I would say that the first
1: six months of me, you know, kind of forming the company, I worked, you know, by myself, and it was really just trial and error. So it was, okay, let me gather all of this information, and then take it out to a company. And You know, pitch the company and then they would ask me questions and I would like, oh gosh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm gonna go have to find that. So it was really um, it was just trial and error. And it was also trying to figure out how was the best way to position the, you know, the podcast that I had. When I first started, literally I would call companies and say, Hey, I was curious, you know you would be interested in podcast advertising, and people would say, what's a podcast? And I mean, we're talking six and a half years ago. At that point, I thought the majority of people knew what a podcast was. Evidently, I was wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, which is is fine. And we've grown really far from that. But It was really just a matter of getting down to a place of what exactly is happening in the space. And then for me, a big leap ahead was working with the direct response agencies So there are certainly, you know, still some of the very same companies that I dealt with six years ago that we're working with now. And when I started working with them, really, I would say they, they trained me kind of like, this is how we buy podcast ads. And this is what the industry looks at. And this is what they expect. And I was like, oh, okay. And there are certainly a few people along the way that schooled me a little bit like, you're doing this all wrong, you need to do it this way or that way. But that gave me the information then to say, oh, okay, this is how we do it. And then obviously over the years, little by little, we we learned and, and lots of things
0: have changed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering where they were even pulling that information from. Because, you know, podcasting being new, and I say new with quotes, because podcasting in general has been around for decades, mm-hmm. but it has gone through so many phases and so many blow ups, like, but, you know, if you're thinking like 2016, 2015, you're right, podcasting was popular, but compared to what it is now, not at all. So, you know, you were growing with that growth. Yeah, absolutely. And really, when you look
1: at advertising agencies, essentially, it was great to work with them because they would say, well, we have these 50 companies. And if you want us to buy ads on the podcast, you represent, this is what we need. And so it was like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. Like I could work within these parameters. Um, And then once we had established that, then it was easier for me to go out to companies or when companies would come to me and say, hey, we want to buy ads, but we've never done it before. I would say, oh, well, you know, this is how that agency does it. So like that, I'm sure will work well for you too. And, you know, I would say the model, the model did transfer well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how is working in the podcast industry, like you're explaining, different than radio when it comes to selling ads?
1: It's very different.
0: Um, you know,
1: radio is certainly based on a different listenership model. So mm-hmm. when we think about podcasts, the very biggest dis- distinguishing factor for me is engagement. I would say engagement and barriers to entry. So when I think about listening to the radio, radio listenership does tend to be fairly passive. And, you know, when we think about riding in the car and listening to the radio, and there are still, you know, millions of people who listen to the radio, right? There are lots of of radio listeners, but it tends to be one of those things where you're like, I'm just going to turn on the radio, right? I'm in the car. I'm just going to turn the radio on or, you know... I haven't met anyone recently with a radio in their house, but I know they're still out there, right? Yeah. Um, But, you know, most people are going to listen in their car. Maybe you're going to listen to the radio at a business, like if you're waiting for a doctor's appointment and they have it playing in the background. And yeah, you're going to choose, oh, I like the classic rock station or I like the rap station or, you know, whatever. Like you're going to choose the station you like. But maybe there's four classic rock stations. Whereas with podcasts, it is so intentional, right? And what I always tell people is, you obviously have to have the app on your phone, you have to know which podcast you want to listen to, and then you have to find the episode you want to listen to. So there's several kind of barriers to entry. So by the time you get to the podcast, you are very invested in listening to that show. So you know, that in and of itself is different because I really look at radio listenership as being more passive. And then the other, I would say huge distinguishing factor between the two are just the quantity of ads that happen on radio. Like if we think about how radio ads are stacked up back to back, there are so many, and they take so many commercial breaks in an hour. Mm -hmm. So You know, whereas with podcasts, yes, and certainly the quantity of ads are getting greater, especially on some of the bigger shows. But overall, really, the ads are more well curated, right? They're host read ads where that host has said, I like this product or service, I want to promote this product or service. In radio, there there are endorsement ads, but not nearly to the level that there are in podcasts. So I feel like those really are very big distinguishing factors between the two.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And do you see from like an engagement perspective and, and maybe what listeners want, I would assume that they listeners like podcasts more than other media because there are less ads and the ads are more trustworthy because the host has really curated them. Do you see that? Or is that maybe just like, okay, we could assume that, but we don't know for sure.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely the case. So, I mean, research shows that the majority of podcast listeners don't mind podcast ads. So when surveyed, listeners say they don't mind them. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that that has a lot to do with the fact that they're primarily host read. Of course, we do have more announcer read ads coming into the space. Um, But the fact that they're host read and really hosts, in my experience, are very mindful about the types of advertisers that they have on their show. Coming from a traditional media background, when we had an advertiser come to us and say, hey, we want to run ads with you, whether I was in radio or newspaper, I would say, great, how much and when? And you know, with podcast advertisers, it is not uncommon. I actually just had one right before I got on this call with you, where I got a message where the host is like, "Nah, I don't want to endorse this product. And I'm like, You really don't want that $6,000? Are you sure? Like, you know, but, you know, because the host is going to be talking about the product, it's not uncommon for them to, you know, to reject that. And I always tell people when I'm talking to them when you listen to podcast ads, whether you believe it or not, the host really has made a very conscious decision about the ads that they have on their show. Now, advertising is advertising. And even myself, who I've built my entire career on advertising, I don't love ads, right? I'm never Mm -hmm. like, gosh, I just wish there could be three or four more ads in this this podcast that'll make it all better. But I do like to purchase products and services. And we all do. And if someone that we know, like, and trust is coming to us and making a recommendation of something that they think is, you know, going to really make our lives better, edify us in some way, I think we're all open and receptive to that.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Because when I think of listening to ads and whether or not I'm going to skip through an ad and, and that kind of thing, you know, yeah, I would rather not listen to ads, especially if I've heard them before and I know I don't, you know, care for the product or whatever. But then on the flip side, I was just earlier today, I was thinking about, you know, what am I gonna get my mom for her birthday later this month? And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go to one of the influencers on Instagram that I like, I'm gonna see what products they're recommending because my mom really likes beauty trends. And it's like, wow, I'm actually using, you could think of podcasting the same way. I'm using this person who I'm, who I know is like on top of, you know, this industry, the beauty industry, and I'm going to them for their recommendations versus searching like, 2022 beauty trends or whatever. So I, that that really opened my eyes. I was like, yeah. wow. So I really do like when people recommend things to me. Same thing if I were to think about like a podcaster that I really love listening to, I might actually go seek out what they recommend now. Right. Exactly. And I think that that example that you used is perfect because
1: you want to buy something for your mom, so you're you're tuned into that and if you hear about a product or something that you think would be a really great gift for her, then you're going to be more likely to go and, you know, purchase that because you're trying to, to find that product. Just like if you're looking for a new skincare and you hear a great ad, or if you're looking for, you know, um, maybe a new online clothing shopping spot or whatever, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you see or hear about a product that is something you're receptive to, then you're going to respond to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this is one of the, the big questions that we have in the podcast manager space is, is there a minimum download per episode that I'm just going to ask you what your opinion is. So is there a minimum downloads per episode that you recommend to your clients before you start reaching out to brands? That is always the hardest question.
1: And as someone who loves the podcast space, and I want to say, it doesn't matter how big your audience is, you're good. And everyone wants to advertise on your show. The reality is, is that there is a minimum threshold. And the way you have to really look at it is that if your audience isn't large enough to really move the needle for an advertiser, they really aren't going to benefit from advertising on your show and, and part of what it is, is that you have to think about the time you're putting in to creating the campaign. You have to think about the time they're putting in, right? So, you know, in terms of of pricing, and we certainly can talk about that more in this space, it still is very typical to do CPM pricing, which is cost per thousand. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say you have 500 downloads, what do you charge? Right? And as a podcaster, if somebody said, hey, I'll give you 30 bucks to run an ad for me, would you really do that, right? Would Mm -hmm. that make any sense for you to say like, yeah, I'll take your $30 and it's gonna take me four hours to produce that ad. Like, yeah, probably not, which four hours is probably excessive, but you know, it just doesn't really make sense for you. So what I usually tell people is that you really need to have at least a thousand downloads per episode in a 30 day period. That's not the collective downloads per month across your full catalog. It's per episode in a 30-day period. And at that time, that's when I would recommend you personally reach out and try to find advertisers. So if you're getting 1,000 downloads per month, there certainly are companies out there that may be, I'm sorry, if you're getting 1,000 downloads per episode, there certainly are companies who could be interested. But at that size, you're not big enough to work with a representation firm. And when we talk about representation firms, my company at True Native Media is a rep rep firm. Um, companies like Advertise Cast, which a lot of people know of, um, Adlarge, Audio Boom, Cadence 13, there's a variety of those companies. But most representation firms are looking for you to be at about 50,000 downloads per episode in a 30-day period before they're going to represent you Mm. Um, now that is for embedded ads and we certainly are moving um, much further in the direction of dynamic ad insertion and with dynamic ad insertion if you have the technology through your hosting platform then we can look at the collective of how many downloads you have across your full catalog so at true native media if you're getting uh, usually we look at shows from about 30 to 50,000 downloads per month across your full catalog. Mm-hmm. If you can do dynamic ad insertion, then we're interested in working with you. So it kind of just depends on where you're at. If you feel like you're comfortable going out and trying to solicit advertisers on your own, you can start smaller. Um, and if you're looking for someone else to help you, you need to be a little larger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Um, First off, can you define for the audience what dynamic ad insertion is versus the first one you said? I forget what it was. Um, Embedded. Embedded. Yes. And those,
1: I would say, are two really important distinctions, and they can be a little bit tricky for sure. So the industry started with what we call embedded or baked in ads. And what that means is that the host creates the ad read and they put that ad within a specific episode. So let's say you're producing episode 100 and you're gonna do an ad for HelloFresh. When I listen to episode 100, I'm gonna hear that ad. Now, if I listen to it the day it launches, I'll hear that ad. If I listen in a month, I'll hear the ad. If I listen six months, a year from now to episode 100, that ad is in episode 100, it's baked in, it's embedded in that particular episode. Mm-hmm. If I listened to episode 99, or if I listen to episode 101, HelloFresh would not be in those episodes because it was in episode 100. What dynamic ad insertion does is it allows you to digitally insert ads across your full catalog of episodes. So you have to have a hosting provider that allows for dynamic ad insertion. Um, I would say many of them are moving toward that now. And how that works is you put ad insertion points into your episodes. So you would say at minutes um, 10 points I want an ad to run um, because I know that that was a good breaking point in my episode. And mm-hmm. then instead of you Manually essentially putting your ad in an episode, the computer inserts it. And the value of that is that you have a lot of impressions to give an advertiser. When we're talking about baked dinner embedded ads, you only have the listeners that are listening to that one episode. And that's why when I say you need a thousand downloads per episode, it's because. If you're going to start with those baked and embedded ads, the advertiser needs to know that they're going to get in like in the ears of at least a thousand people to make it worthwhile. So that's why you're looking at a per episode basis. Whereas with dynamic ad insertion, we're looking at a time period. So we would say mm-hmm. maybe from July 1st through July 30th, anybody who listens to the show, it could be episode number one, or it could be episode 100, We're going to insert this ad into all of the episodes. And so with dynamic ad insertion, you can see it allows you to make huge strides in terms of the number of impressions you can deliver, which then of course equates to larger dollars. We have, you know, we have shows all the time switching from embedded ads to dynamic insertion. Most recently, we had a show that was getting about 30,000 downloads per episode They switched to dynamic and the show has been around for quite some time, but they're getting 250,000 downloads per episode. I'm sorry, per month. So like you can take that and see, well, gosh, we were selling ads 30,000 and now we're selling about 250. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And so then you're hypothetically, you're running an ad for 30 days and people that listen to the show, you know, once a week, they're hearing it at least four times, let alone the people that are, you know, binging more than more than those episodes. Now, um, in practice, do you generally then switch to another ad and put it in like those same spots? So a listener is always hearing an ad. It just depends on whatever campaign is running.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So maybe for July, you have HelloFresh. And then for um, September, you have, uh, you know, let's see, ButcherBox, right? So like every month, you can switch out ads. And you can do multiple ads too, right? You, right. Wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily just do one. You could do multiple ads.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey there. I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So, in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I can't wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. When working with your clients, like their perspective or their desire what number do you people usually the podcasters themselves usually feel comfortable with how many ads per show? I've heard like five is like the max, but I don't know if that's if that's a true number or not.
1: I would say that everyone has a little bit of a different opinion about how many ads should be in podcasts. Mm -hmm. I talked to a show the other day that wanted 12. And I was like, you are out of your mind. <laughs> your 30-minute <laughs> show should not have 12 ads in it. They just did the um, math
0: and thought that it sounded really good.
1: Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. So, and it I think it really depends a lot on your personal take, right? So mm-hmm. some hosts are really protective of their audiences and they really don't want to overload the show. Other hosts are like, let's just get however many we can My suggestion usually is that if you have a 30-minute show, I usually recommend about three ads. So we like to do a pre-roll and two mid-rolls. At True Native, we never sell post-rolls just because I feel like most people are not going to intentionally listen through an ad at the end of your podcast. But if you've got an hour-long show, I think you certainly can get away with more And I think that you're right, like that three to five number is really where I think most people are comfortable. When you are going to get into the higher numbers, though, it is usually good to kind of try and separate them so that um, you're not doing like, but let's say maybe one or two pre-rolls and then three ads back to back. So if you can spread them out throughout your episode, it's usually better.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you said early in your journey on starting this business that you were noticing that these smaller podcasts, you know, not your not maybe your name brand shows, but these smaller podcasts weren't doing ads. That's what I'm really interested in because it's that's who we work with as podcast managers for the most part is, you know, very small shows to to big shows. But We, a lot of podcast managers feel passionate about their, their clients who have shows that are not huge and about the message that's behind them. And I'm wondering, do you see advertising like more, you know, people that working with you or like just big advertising growing into the industry, even into smaller shows? Like are, are the companies themselves interested in smaller shows or do you think it's going to kind of stay at, you have to grow the show first?
1: My opinion is that you're going to have to grow the show. I don't really see the industry going into smaller shows. If anything, I think that as we have more brand advertisers in the space, they actually want even larger shows. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so um, I would say it is more difficult for a small show to monetize. Now, my prediction for the industry is that we are going to really... I would say gravitate more toward kind of a YouTube model. And what I mean by that is, you know, what we would call programmatic ads. So how programmatic ads work is that they are announcer-read ads and they're inserted into your podcast. So just like we've all watched YouTube and all of a sudden we're like, Oh man, there's an ad. Okay. Or obviously at the beginning of most YouTube Um, videos, there's an ad of some sort. So really, I think the whole industry is gravitating more and more toward that. And you do, again, have to be set up with a hosting provider that can do dynamic ad insertion. But um, with that dynamic ad insertion capability, you can insert your host red ads, but then you can get these programmatic ads. So that really gives you the ability to um, have you know then you don't have to do anything as a host right you just get ads that are placed in your show and then you get a check at the end of the month for ads that ran and when we look at programmatic you have the ability to say i don't want any alcohol brands or tobacco brands or firearms or whatever so you can go through and you can select the categories of advertisers you do and don't want so really you do still have a level of control and you know when we look at companies like spotify obviously making huge plays in the, in this space they are doing a ton of programmatic ad selling they have about 300 sales reps from what i've told i'm told that are out there really trying to sell ads and i really do see that for small shows that's how we're going to be able to monetize
0: mm. so yeah, I recently Spotify had a big snafu, which I'm sure you heard about, where they ran a uh, programmatic ad of a alcohol company. I Can't remember which one it was on, like a non alcoholic show. Which, oh my right. gosh, crazy, right. Right? right? So that just makes me think. You, you know, you said, yeah, you as the host, you will, you can, you know, do kind of a checkbox thing where you say no alcohol, no this, no that. But are you not approving like the actual company most of the time?
1: no you don't approve them at all so essentially what happens is that these these bigger companies say i am looking to reach this specific demographic of person right so i want to reach women between the ages of 25 and 45 i want them to live in new york and la i want them to you know um have a college degree right so the company knows exactly who they want to reach and then a company like spotify says oh okay well i have all of these million impressions if you buy x number of impressions at certain number you know dollar then we'll put it out there and those ads will run for a certain period of time so the company has no idea where they're advertising they just know they're Mm. advertising on podcasts and then you as the podcaster have no idea who's actually running on your show until you get the report 45 days later. So um, you should be able to do those categories. And that's the idea that those will be kind of the guardrails to make sure that those sorts of things don't happen. But we all have to realize that when computers are running things, there is going to be mistakes that are going to get made because there isn't that like manual level of control.
0: Yeah. And even when human things, when humans handle things. <laughs> and sometimes human makes humans make more <laughs> mistakes than computers, right? right? <laughs> we know that. We know that. Now, you, what you're, what, everything you're saying is making me realize, is ROI coming into play? Like how much the, if the listeners are acting upon the ads, is that coming into play at all? Or is it really just the number of ears that are hearing the ads?
1: Well, it really is going to just be the number of impressions is what, I mean, yes, there is always an ROI, right? If you think about any brand or any advertiser, the reason that they're doing these things is to get a return of some sort, right? And Mm -hmm. in this space, we have been highly... Uh, you know, dominated by direct response advertisers. And direct response advertisers are those companies where they say, hey, you know, go to caspermattress.com and enter code Lauren at checkout for 50% off your purchase or whatever, right? So those are very direct response. They're looking at your show, they're saying, what are you going to provide? So with those programmatic ads, there can be a level of that, right? So anytime you hear any sort of A unique URL or a specific promo company promo code, that company is trying to track the specific responses that they're getting. So now the difference between the host red ads where there's a specific code for your specific show and the programmatic is that with programmatic, they're just gonna use um, and I think I've definitely seen this um, where it says, you know, use code. Uh, Pandora at checkout or use code podcast at checkout. Or, you know, anytime you hear that, that's very generic. And that means that that company is using that code to really track the success of that whole podcast campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are also brand advertisers. So anytime you don't hear a specific call to action, that means it's a brand advertiser. And that doesn't mean that brand advertisers don't have goals, they do have goals, they're just not tracked in the same way. So Mm -hmm. it could be that they want to see, like, oh, when I ran this campaign, did I get a bigger boost in my website traffic? Or Mm -hmm. did I find more people were sharing it? So bigger companies have very complex tracking mechanisms for all of their marketing. So yes, they are looking for an end goal, but they really are just purchasing those impressions. Um, and they're never gonna come back to your show and say, oh, your show wasn't successful. They might look at the whole campaign and say podcast advertising doesn't work or it didn't do what we wanted it to do, but it doesn't point directly back to you.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because you know you would think that, oh, if your listeners you know, I would think it'd be like, okay, your listeners really trust you as the host. So anything you recommend, which we're not really talking about that type of advertising right now, but anything you would recommend, they'll then buy. So then your show becomes more valuable to advertisers. So is that happening at all? With programmatic? No,
1: right? Um, Yeah, It, it doesn't happen at all with programmatic. It's just the whole it's the industry, you know, as a whole and and I would say right now, the advertising community is really looking at podcast ads to say, hey, is this as as effective as everyone says? Mm -hmm. And really, Mm -hmm. as an industry, the best way to do it is to build a foundation of host-read ads and then fill in with announcer-read ads because we can never sell 100% of our impressions with with, um, host-read ads because... It's just not feasible to predict the exact number of downloads that a show is going to have, which then translates into impressions. So um, really having a combination of host-read ads with those announcer-read programmatic ads that fill in is the best way to go about it, in my opinion. But really, like when we're thinking about a smaller show, if you are a smaller podcast, I would recommend that you look at hosting platforms that give you the ability to do advertising in a programmatic way. And I would say, you know, Spreaker is really kind of um, doing a good job of that right now. You can get a free Spreaker account and they'll put programmatic ads into your show at no cost to you. Yeah, and obviously, mm-hmm. you just get the, the payout for them. Um their rates do tend to be a little low, but you can get that and that's easy. Um, I know I was, you know, just talking with Todd, the CEO at Blueberry, and they are working on a new programmatic opportunity. I believe that Libsyn is building it into their platform. I know that Buzzsprout um, has a program that they just started, I believe, as well as Podbean. So A lot of the hosting platforms are really starting to try and build these programmatic tools in. And I believe that that's really gonna be what's best for smaller creators until your show gets to a level where you're like, hey, now I really have an audience to bring to a brand. The one piece that we haven't talked about is that when you do have the ability to combine your podcast listenership with other platforms. So if Mm -hmm. you can say, I'm going to bring in my social media and my newsletter and my website. So, you know, hey, advertiser, you can get impressions on my podcast, but you can also get social posts and um, you can get on my website or in front of my newsletter. Those are good ways to kind of bolster the impressions that you Mm -hmm. can provide. And really, I would say, take what the advertiser advertiser is purchasing to another level. Mm -hmm. So. There are opportunities to get creative if you feel like you have audience in other areas and not just um, through your podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what about you know, let's say you're you're starting at I don't know 200 downloads an episode and you know, okay, it's going to take me a little while to to get to the point to doing advertising is it right to think like, I, I want to get my listeners accustomed to ads? So you, because, I you know, there's obviously other ways to monetize, affiliate links, um, you know, any products that you as the host might be selling. So does it actually help to, besides, you know, financially for your own sake or whatever, does it help to start ads in some way from the beginning so that your listeners are used to hearing that from you or does it not really matter? I absolutely
1: think that it is a wonderful idea to do that. And I would highly recommend hosts look to do that. So if you're a host and you want to have ads in your show, I say start today and with exactly what you just mentioned with affiliate advertisers. So there are lots of sites out there where you can go and find affiliate advertisers. There's even some affiliate sites that are specifically created for podcasters go on those sites. I mean, Amazon, Audible, I mean, there's a ton of different affiliate programs out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, everybody knows about Amazon and Audible and maybe those aren't the ones you would want to start with. But I think that starting with affiliates is such a great way to go because it does several things. Number one, it informs your audience that you are going to have ads in your podcast so they get used to hearing ads. Um, number two, it really does make your show feel more successful. So when people hear ads in your podcast, they think, oh, wow, man, I can't believe they got that person as an advertiser. They must be doing really well, right? They don't know. Your audience doesn't know it's an affiliate, yeah. right? So I think it, it's it's good for... Um, just the prestige of your show, it makes you really understand how to create a good ad read. That's not something that the average host is good at. Like, I'm gonna create this really interesting, compelling ad read for my audience, right? Like most people aren't good at that out out the gate, right? So being able to practice it is really important. And then number four, the best thing about it is that there's this huge level of transparency, right? So with any sort of affiliate opportunities, you can see how many conversions you had, right? Because you Mm -hmm. get paid for each of them. So if you advertise, like let's say you advertise a product for two months on your podcast and you have zero conversions. What does that mean? It means a number of things. It might mean that your audience is too small right? And they really just aren't responding. It might mean that you picked the wrong product that they aren't interested in. It might mean that you have created a really poor call to action, or maybe you're just not very good at doing your ad reads, right? Like your ad reads aren't very engaging. So you can take all of that information and then get better and better because Ultimately, when you get to host red ads, advertisers want conversions from your show. And if you get really good at doing ad reads, and you get really good at identifying the types of products that your audience is going to respond to, then you're going to have better advertiser relationships. And I have big podcasts that come to us who say, I have these three affiliate deals. I make thousands of dollars a year off of them. I'm not getting rid of them. And I'm like, don't like I yeah. wouldn't either, right? So I mean, sometimes affiliate opportunities are the best because you don't have to do any work of finding that advertiser. And a lot of times affiliate payouts are gonna be higher than what the CPM rate would be anyways.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to do anything to maintain that relationship with the company. You know, if you just had one one sell a month or whatever, like something, something small, uh, they might have rules, but they probably don't care so much because they just want you to recommend the product right exactly the other thing that can
1: happen is obviously the company is looking at all of these different affiliate you know relationships and if they see that you're performing really well they'll reach out to you and say gosh your conversions are super high like could we partner with you in a greater way so it can really open the door to better partnerships as well
0: yeah yeah that's really interesting I mean, that's kind of like a, oh, duh, that would happen. But I haven't heard of that happening to anyone, you know, in the podcasting space that I know. <laughs> so that would be pretty exciting. Now, I I think I, I asked you this earlier, but I wanted to make sure that we hit it just in case um, there was anything else. Are there any misconceptions that podcasters have around advertising, like maybe when they first start working with you?
1: I think that a couple of misconceptions that podcasters have is... Your show does need to be a certain size in order for you to get advertisers. But that doesn't necessarily mean just because your show is a certain size that you're going to have a ton of advertisers. Mm. So we have a show that's getting like nearly a million downloads a month. Um, Their audience is an incredible size the topic and the content is really difficult to sell. And Mm. so as much as we try to sell the show, it can be a challenge for us. And this has happened to me more than once at True Native, where I think, oh my gosh, look at this amazing podcast. It's going to be great. And then it doesn't actually end up selling well. And it's because the content of the show just isn't really super attractive to advertisers. So if you've got kind of a strange podcast, even if you have a large audience, you still might have a hard time getting host-read ads. So I would say that that is really kind of a big misconception mm. that um, a lot of podcasters have.
0: Yeah, that that honestly makes a lot of sense because, you know, in the listeners might not be receptive to hearing advertisers if they're listening to a show about a sensitive matter. They're like, no, I, I came here to to talk about trauma or whatever it is. And it just feels very off to be like, oh, by the way, Casper mattresses or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe something that was like just really, really curated would be a better option for them or just another way to monetize, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say the other misconception that I see is that
1: when you're working with a rep firm, it is very different than when you're selling a singular podcast. So when you work with a rep firm, you're one of many. Now, it depends on the rep firm that you choose to go with, right? Because some rep firms have thousands of podcasts that they're working with. At True Native, we work with about 90 shows right now. And we're looking to grow, right? So um, 90 is still a big number. But when you work with a rep firm, your show is really, its your show is clustered with other Podcasts, right? And so, like, we'll have um, shows that come to us and say, Oh, we normally get a $50 CPM. Well, I can't sell your show at a $50 CPM because I'm selling all the other shows in the same genre at a $25 CPM. So, just because when you were by yourself, you could go out and talk to this company and sell it at this certain rate doesn't mean that when you work with a rep firm, they can do the same because They're packaging all the shows together and the advertiser wants to know why is that one more expensive and or they just won't buy your show because they can buy a very similar one for half the price, right? So I feel like that can also um, be a misconception.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then what would be the reason for that specific podcast that you just gave an example of? Would they just say, okay, well then I'm gonna stay on my own, Would that, like, what would be the reason for them working with a rep company?
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be kind of tricky. And sometimes shows that are selling really well by themselves, maybe it doesn't always make sense for them to go ahead and work with a rep firm, especially like if they are selling well. But um, usually people want a rep firm because maybe... Um, their sell through rate in terms of like the percentage of open spots they have is greater than they want it to be. So maybe they're only selling 20% of their inventory. And they know that if they work with a rep firm, they could sell 80% of their inventory. So they they want to do that. And it can also just be a work workflow thing, right? Um, It is a lot of work to Uh, directly go and solicit advertisers and make sure that you have everything that you need. And with the rep firm, you can essentially just say, yeah, I want this advertiser and then show up and record the ad. And um, the rep firm is gonna help with a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then maybe they're, what what you said with like their inventory, maybe they're only selling 20% of their inventory, but so if they take, if they are gonna get a little bit less from, each ad but they're going to sell a lot more Then it would still make sense for them because ultimately they'll they'll still be growing yeah that makes sense well this has been so good i think i mean i've learned a ton i'm sure everybody listening is their minds blown on (laughs) on all the the options and, and things for podcasters uh where can people connect with you um after the episode yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you're interested in learning more about True Native
1: Media, you can go to truenativemedia.com. We have um, some great blog posts and kind of some some Q and A type things over on our site. If you want to get more of your your questions answered, um, and if you would like to connect with me directly, I'm really active on LinkedIn, so that's kind of where I like to hang out. So, if you have any questions, you're welcome to connect with me there and message me, and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions.
0: Okay, awesome. And I before we recorded, I saw on your, on your website, that there were you have a lot of um, great different options for learning about this, targeted towards podcasters, but of course, podcast managers would want to know the same information. So, you know, to anyone listening, go check that out. If you want to learn, learn more, because I saw you have lots of different products that you teach through. Yeah. And actually, I
1: didn't mention that I have my own podcast called the Podcast Advertising Playbook. So on that show, I interview industry professionals that are um, in the podcast space and in advertising. So if you're interested in learning more about advertising, you can always go listen to that show too.
0: Awesome. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being here today. It's been great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.